transform on any particular surface the pen lands on. I care, but hands on. What's the beef? The coolie high code chiefs, high post techniques. I drape off poetic landscapes and shit. Oh boy, that is probably the most used radio bump in the history of radio. And I know we're podcasting here, but come on, tell everybody about this song, man. Uh, yeah, another one of the classics. Uh, What's Golden from Jurassic 5 from their 2002 album, Power in Numbers. If you liked that intro as well as all of the other intros uh, to the DFS MVP podcast, you can find it on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Just go to Spotify, search DFS MVP, or check out my Twitter. I'm always tweeting it out at TJ Hernandez uh, along with the podcast. Yeah, at this point, you know who we are. I'm yep. Holden Kushner. We got the director of... DFS for 444.com, TJ Hernandez. Here's the playoffs. Here's what we're going to do this week, next week, and the week after, right through the conference championship games. Um, we got different main slates. We're going to go through the main slates, talk about every single game and the plays that you should be looking at. But you do have different main slates for FanDuel and DraftKings. I don't know why FanDuel decided to have uh, single-day slates. Yeah. I'm just playing their full slate. Yeah. It's stupid to just have those two. Uh, FanDuel made a mistake here. DraftKings... The multi-day, all yep. four games. I, I don't get why FanDuel did that, and I'm not going to put a lot of money into just the Saturday and Sundays. For me, I'm going Maine. Yeah, they uh, they did the same thing last year, if I remember correctly. Um, so it does make uh, discussion across um, two sites uh, a little tricky. But, I mean, for uh, the far segments during the playoffs – uh, we'll be going by the games anyway, and uh, the the strategy doesn't change much whether it's two games or four. Uh, it's we kind of get away from value, not not completely. You still need to open up some salary to get up to some studs, um, but you're just not going to have a, a full slate of a bunch of value guys. You're really trying to figure out how to be different from the field. Um, you're building your lineups more around game by game narratives. Uh, a lot game stacks and and uh, team stacks are going to be a lot more popular. Uh, full game stacks, full team stacks, a lot more popular on these short slates. So that's really what we're going to be focusing on. Um, it's, it's just really about how to be unique. Um, you're going to be doing different things on these short slates, whether it's two or four games than you would on a full slate. Uh, we talked about it really in depth a couple weeks back when we did the Saturday only um, theory segment. So if you want to go back to week 16 and listen to that, um, a lot of good strategy for how to play these short slates. But uh, just, I mean, the the just don't be scared to do things that look weird. Playing two running backs from the same team, uh, leaving a bunch of salary on the table. Um, you know, you're going to have some spots where you get a chance to have like a quarterback or a defense or a tight end that's um, that might be sub 5% owned where you have another quarterback that's 40% owned. You're not going to run into those situations on a full slate. Uh, so lots of different things to, to think about. I'd really encourage listeners to go back and, and listen to that if they haven't played short slates before. I do want to throw a couple things out before we get into this, TJ. Yeah. Uh, first of all, last year, if you look back at the wild card round, low scoring games. Yeah. And if you go back to 2003, the under is hit 62.5% yeah. of the time. That's yep. a ton, 62. So we're talking about what? Two out of every three games is hitting the under. And we got some games here, Bills and Texans, Titans, Patriots, Seahawks, Eagles, where it just could be nasty. Yep. Um, Seattle and Philadelphia played in week nine. It was 17 to nine. And mm-hmm. now there's no Ertz. You know, yep. it was Rashad Penny and, and Dallas Goddard were the guys, I guess, that you could look back. Goddard had seven for 32 and Penny had 129 and a touchdown. Penny's not playing. Ertz didn't play. He went 12 for 91 and one. So when we get to that game, maybe we could talk about Joshua Perkins. Absolutely. Last year, 
you're, you're always looking for those sub-5% guys. Um, I think Michael Crabtree was kind of popular, wasn't he? He scored a couple of touchdowns in that game against the Chargers. Uh, Kiki QT, we had no Will Fuller. QT stepped up, 11 catches, 110 yards at a touchdown. Nook was 5 for 37, not much. And for the Colts, Dontrell Inman uh, won some people some money, 4 for 53 and a touchdown. So uh, just for me, I'm looking at a lot of the, the betting lines here. I'm looking at where the sharp money's coming in. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what kind of scores. Are we going high? Are we going low? Historically, the wild card games have gone a little bit lower there, TJ. And, um, you know, that's that's what you got to look at. You got to find that one or two guys that's just going to step up. And I remember last year was Kiki Cutie. That was the big one. So let's yep. get right into the Bills and the Texans here. Houston, slight favorite. And guess what? There's probably not going to be a Will Fuller sighting. All right. Um, yeah, the the Texans are favored by two and a half with an implied total uh, at twenty three. Like you said, the the wild card has been a low scoring um, game historically, or or at least in in recent history. And if we look at the Vegas lines this week, uh, it really reflects that we only have two teams projected for um, over twenty four points. The the Saints projected for twenty nine, the only one with a really high projected total. So really what we're thinking about with this Bills game specifically and just on this entire slate, like you could make some some team stacks that you you might feel uncomfortable with because you might not think of them as explosive offenses. But basically this week, if the Saints don't go off like expected, you're not going to need a team to put up 30 uh, to, to run away from the field. If you're on the right game stack, it might only be like a 26 or 27 point output but if those fantasy points are concentrated uh then you can have a, a really successful day and one of the teams that i'm looking to do that with that i think will be uh not as popular at least as a whole are the bills um i i because of how good the bills are playing because the the texans uh, aren't going to be with will fuller and and they're going to be have their best player uh, deandre hopkins shadowed by tredavious white um, I actually like the Bills to pull off the upset here uh, to kick off the week, and that's how I'm going to be building my lineups. Do you, what do you think about how, just from a game flow perspective, how this one plays out? Well, I'll just say this: last year, um, Deshaun Watson ran for 76 yards. You're going to need that out of this game. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are taking the Bills here yep. just because of the points. Listen, you always go into a week thinking you know everything, and then you leave <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. don't know anything. So we could try and predict everything. I'll just say this. Um, the biggest strength for Houston is their running game. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think personally is going to, is going to decide this game. Like if the bills do give up a lot of run, um, uh, rushing yards, then they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Sure. But if they stop the run, then they're set. So, yep. uh, you got to figure that this just looking at, it looks like a low scoring game, but who the hell knows? Yeah. I mean, Nook might wake up, um, Josh Allen could hit John Brown two times. You don't play cash. Don't play cash. Unless you're like a high volume. Don't play cash here. Yeah, for sure. Just play Um, tournaments and everybody's in play. Like 90% of the guys are in play. Yeah. So like you said, the more important thing is to try to figure out how these games are going to go. If you think that that the... um, the Texans are going to look to take advantage of, of the one possible weakness, and and that's uh, running against the Bills. Then then build your lineups that way. Um, build around uh, Carlos Hyde and and um, build around whatever you think the the weaknesses of the game flow will be. And then again, it's just like what is the public going to be doing? How how can we be a little bit different? So uh, if we're looking at quarterbacks after Drew Brees on the full slate, uh, I, I do think Hopkins will be 
the I'm I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Watson will be the highest owned quarterback of the slate. Will definitely be the highest owned quarterback on uh, Saturday only on FanDuel. So I like to leverage that by looking at the Bills' offense and and going with some stacks. Uh, Josh Allen, like I said up top, we're not crazy focused on uh, specific values, but it is worth noting that Josh Allen is the top value on FanDuel for the Saturday only slate, top two value on DraftKings according to 4 for 4 for the full slate. Uh, from the Bills' week 7 bye until week 16, they, they rested their starters last week. Josh Allen's the QB5. Uh, a lot of people probably don't realize that. Had a couple ceiling games thrown in there, and he gives you the 32 rush yards per game. So I really like pairing him up with all the big players on the offense. Um, John Brown and Cole Beasley, 55% combined target share from weeks 12 through 16. Beasley is the fourth highest target share in the league in that span. Um, and then, of course, Devin Singletary, uh, especially on Saturday. It's just an ugly um, a slate for running backs. But even on the full slate, if assuming that Miles Sanders plays and and uh, Boston Scott doesn't end up being shocked, Devin Singletary is like really the only volume value back that we have on the slate. Uh, 6,500 FanDuel, 6,000 DraftKings. So that's there's not really anywhere else that you're going to be able to pay down at running back and get a guaranteed floor. So I, I think one interesting thing you could do with Devin Singletary, especially on Saturday only, is look for a three running back build with your flex just because of how bad the position is on Saturday. Uh, that might be kind of a contrarian lineup build. I think Devin Singletary is going to be ridiculously owned. Yeah. Everybody's on Devin Singletary mm-hmm. this week. And I think they're just looking at the matchup. They're saying, you know, this is the week that they could take it down. Um, he's cheap. He's 6'2 on FanDuel. He's right there. Same price as James White. You know, personally, as I'm scrolling down here, if Jordan Howard plays this week, that's my guy. Um, yeah. I think that if he, if and he we'll get to that over. later. You're right. And, 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 uh, you know, they came out from Eagles camp and said that, that they're likely going to get him in there. To me, if I'm going to save money, I'm going to go down that far. Uh, I will have – you have to have Singletary. I mean, the, the, everything yep. is coming together for him just because of the ceiling. I think his ceiling is probably as high as – it's right behind what? Kamara, Cook, and Henry. He's probably number four. Would you put him there? Would you put him higher than Cook, Kamara, or Henry? Um, I mean, I, I think you could probably make the argument um, – against Henry um, because New England's defense is so good. Um, but Henry's at that entire offense. So, I mean, from a median projection standpoint, I would say Singletary is definitely fourth. Um, hmm. But, uh, but I mean, Henry definitely has some concerns this week. Yeah, I mean, we'll see there. And really all of the rushing defenses this week um, have some positivity going for them. Yep. But anyways, back to I, – I'm, I'm digressing this whole – I'm just so excited because it's the playoffs. I'm also sad because we only have three shows left, and that means the football season's <laughs> coming to an end. And yep. then i got to wait, you know, all of February and March so I can get my baseball DFS back. But, um, yeah, Devin Singletary is going to be extremely popular, man. He's going to be the running back, too. He's going to be so heavily owned, especially on that FanDuel Saturday slate. It's Saturday, right? Oh, is yeah. That yep. Yep. He's just going to be ridiculously owned. So – yeah, you know, I think at a tournament you're probably going to need to look elsewhere, and you could probably find somebody else in this game, can't you? At running back, uh, I mean, we talked about the two, the other two guys, Carlos mm-hmm. Hyde, but I think the one that uh, that can be contrarian if you are of the belief that uh, that the Bills can pull off the upset here and, and 
Texans are a negative game script. Uh, Duke Johnson, um, uh, you can you can use him in, in game stacks if you think that he's going to get a lot of work in the passing game. And again, if if Will Fuller's out, um, the Bills are are such a good defense; it's hard to throw against them. We've seen the Patriots use this strategy before, just dumping off to James White a bunch against this this tough secondary. Uh, Houston can definitely employ a similar strategy, so I think it's worth taking a stab at Duke Johnson. Um, in those lineups that I think if you're if you're stacking the bills, I think it makes way more logical sense to have Duke in those lineups than to have Carlos Hyde. Um, obviously, Carlos Hyde is really a, a game script dependent running back. Uh, so that's that is what makes more sense to me. Um, but he, he'll definitely be uh, one of the lower owned guys of the week and can be one of those dart throws that you can uh, roll out into your uh, player pool this week. All right, now you can listen back to this next week and tell me how wrong I am. I'm going to be slightly overweight on Josh Allen, yeah. and I'll tell you why. And I think a lot of people are going to be down on Josh Allen. The last three weeks, he faced Baltimore, Pittsburgh, New England. I mean, this is just murderer's row. These three defenses are amazing. And I'm throwing the Jets game out. He was in there for like a quarter. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But he faced uh, Dallas, and he got on Dallas with 23 FanDuel points. He smashed Miami, of course. He beat up Cleveland, had a 20-point game against Denver. Uh, this is a guy, he has the floor because he's running. And again, I mean, Beasley's been his guy. And you could talk about the two wide receivers here. Beasley's been his guy lately. And all you need to do is hit John Brown a couple of times, and he play, and he pays off. I mean, Breeze is the guy. Breeze is number one. For me, by far and away, you said Watson was going to be number two as far as popularity. I'm right there with you. To me, the next guy that I will have exposure to, his name is Josh Allen. And yep. I th- and it, it might even be a low-scoring game. Yeah. Maybe it's a 14-10 to 10 game. But if Allen can get out and run, throw a couple big shots downfield, maybe even run for a touchdown, I think he can pay his salary off. Yeah, the uh, the thing that you have to think about when you're, you're playing in these short slates is is you really have to to plant a flag and not get tempted to try to cover cover all of your bases. Then you're, you're just going to get spread too thin, and uh, it's just going to be hard to to hit your your low owned players with your core. I mean that's a similar concept to full slate, but I think it's even more important um, on the short slate that you're just going to have to have full fades of people with with only eight quarterbacks um, on on uh, the slate. I mean, I don't think it's it's bad process to maybe just completely avoid three quarterbacks altogether and hope that one of your guys hits and then decide who you're going to be the heaviest on. The most popular guys, I, I mean, like you said, Breeze, Watson, and probably Wilson. Um, but, I mean, there's two or three guys, and Josh Allen is one of them, that I want to be the most overweight on. So if you say you roll out 100 lineups and you, you use, um, I don't know, five quarterbacks or, or even – even just four, but I think I think five makes sense. I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea to have Josh Allen in 25 of those lineups, 25 out of 100, um, and I think that's going to put you way overweight on the field. And and if he hits, puts you at a really big advantage, uh, assuming that uh, that you could get some of your low and plays hit as well. Yeah. Again, you go back to last year. There's not many guys that paid off. They're all low-scoring games. Yeah. Everybody's going to be stacking the, the Vikings and the Saints. you you got to have a, a stack there. You got to find a dig up a gem there, but you also yep. have to play other players. So, yep. 
you know, dig a little bit. Is there anybody else from that game we really haven't discussed from the Bills at the at the Texans? Um, I I don't think so. <clears throat> um, I'm I'm probably going to be the most overweight on the Bills defense mm. out of um out of any of the defense. I think the Saints and and the Patriots will definitely be the chalk. Um, but again, just kind of going with that that Bills upset narrative and then a bunch of low scoring games. Um, it's I. I think I don't think it makes sense to have one defense that's going to like exceed forty percent, and I think we could end up seeing that with the Bills. Uh, I'm sorry, with the with the Saints or um, or the Patriots. So it's just again, it's it's one of those things I mentioned in the intro with with the defenses, with the quarterbacks. We just have this opportunity to be very contrarian that we don't have on full slates so, um, to get a, a defense or or quarterback at around 10 percent or maybe even sub 10 percent where some of the other quarterbacks defenses could be over 40 percent that's a really unique situation and then on saturday only um tight end is disgusting so (laughs) (laughs) it's i mean who i think fells just play fells yeah johnu smith will be will be the chalk just by default because there's no other tight end on the saturday slate that gets reliable volume so you could really make an argument that yeah fells or dawson ox or any tight end like if they score a touchdown they could be the tight end one on saturday just with the touchdown even if they only go for like 220 and one that could be your tight end one yeah um, on saturday so every tight end um that's a starter is in play and i mean you're just uh, it's it's bad if you're not playing i think the, the way to approach it is just build it around your have your tight end uh, match your lineup narrative so if it's if you have a uh, the the bills winning or bills expecting to to uh be high scoring then throw uh dawson Knox in there throwing fells into your your game stacks i mean it's just ugly uh you don't have many options so yeah they're in play by default i think it's a great call on your part because houston be, it can be exploited by the tight end position yep uh the problem is is that you know, it's those two guys that we're just talking about. And everybody's going to be a Janu, but they don't realize that the, the Patriots are great against tight ends. Right. So, you know, we'll see who they dis- – everybody's so down on the Patriots. Let's get into this here yeah. because now the Patriots are the worst team ever. Uh, just to remind you, New England is 12-2 and two at home in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Tom Brady is 107 games over 500 in Foxborough. Jeez. 107. He's like 129 and 22, so right around that range. Okay, it's it's a different pay. This is the best Patriots defense we've seen in a while, right? Oh, absolutely. But noodle arm Tom Brady just isn't the same guy. So their offense stinks, but their defense is ridiculous. So New England five point favorites, twenty four and a half implied. Tennessee nineteen and a half implied. I think a lot of people are going to be on the Titans side, and I wonder what you think about that. But start with the Patriots offense here because nobody is going to be on Tom Brady. And I think you've got to have some Tom Brady. I think um, he'll probably, I think they'll probably be, if we're looking at the full slate, uh, Breeze, Watson, Wilson, Allen. I think there might be five or six quarterbacks owned more than Tom Brady, um, depending on how you think ownership on Winston Tannehill shakes out. Um, So he could be like the QB six or seven in terms of ownership this week, which is pretty crazy to think about. But that just, I mean, that just sets up, a leverage opportunity. Um, Titans are the only, I'm sorry, the Patriots are the only team besides the Saints projected for over 24 points. Uh, so you're going to have a low on quarterback on a short slate on a team that's expected to score a lot of points. Uh, but also I think another problem when people are looking at this game is just like, who do you even stack Tom Brady with? Um, 
Edelman has just not been Edelman over the past month or however long it's been with his injury. And then Mohamed Sanu and, and Nikhil Harry um, aren't getting a, a ton of targets. Sanu's basically like a four or five target a game guy. I think Nikhil Harry had seven targets last week, but it's not reliable. So I think probably the most interesting thing that you can do here is don't pair Brady with a pass catcher and rotate your Patriots teams um, with Sony Michelle and and James White. Michelle, uh, 35% of the snaps over the last month, but over half of the running back touches in that span. So basically when he's been in, he's been touching the ball. And then White is the only Patriot besides Edelman with at least 15% target share over the last six weeks. So, um, I mean... Probably, or if if you are playing Brady, you're going to have a fair amount of Edelman in those stacks, um, and then you're just going to sprinkle in Harry and and Sanu, hoping they hit. But I like being overweight on Brady with his running backs. Um, Tennessee's 25th in schedule just fantasy points allowed to the position, and I I don't think uh, I mean I I I'm not going to let's just say I'm not going to be building any lineups that suggest that Tennessee is pulling off the upset. So you are not buying into Tennessee whatsoever. I, I mean, I just don't – Ryan Tannehill's been efficient, but this Patriots defense, I think, is um, is is going to, to game plan effectively for them. They don't have a ton of ways to, to spread you out or make you thin. I mean, it's it's basically A.J. Brown and, and Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry's super expensive. Um, I, he – there's I don't, there, there's some interesting – leverage um one-off plays on the titan side but i'm not going to be rolling out titan stacks i don't think this is a spot where i'm getting cute so if you run out 100 lineups how many do you have derrick henry in five i i it's i think it's going to vary depending on um on what slate we're talking about on FanDuel saturday only i think you're going to be forced to have a good amount of him just because um of how bad the the running back position is on Saturday, uh, but on a full on the full slate, I do think that he's one of the most interesting leverage situations from a lineup building perspective. So no, it'd be way more than five. I'd it'd probably be like ten or fifteen. But one thing that I, I think is going to happen on the the two day slates is, especially on DraftKings where salary is a little bit tighter, this is going to work really well. I think. The uh, most owners are going to try to jam in Michael Thomas, which most likely will only let them get one expensive running back, and that's probably going to be Kamara or Cook. I think a really interesting lineup thing to do is jam in two expensive running backs and fade Michael Thomas. I think that will be a pretty unpopular lineup build. So if I'm using um, Derrick Henry, it's going to be for that reason. So then it comes to the Patriots passing game. So you're Mm -hmm. not going to have any Brady and Edelman. Now, Edelman... Listen, Edelman's arm has been falling off for the yeah. last three weeks, okay? You go back to the fourth quarter, I think it was the Kansas City game, and he's just been banged up. There's other parts of his body. But, I mean, t- looking at the wide receiver core, you, uh, if you're playing Nikhil Harry and Mohamed Sanu, you're throwing darts. Uh, yeah. These are darts at this point, and maybe they pay off. But don't you have to play a Brady to Edelman? There has oh, to be one of those. For sure, for sure. So Brady, after Josh Allen, Brady is the quarterback that will be most overweight on relative to the field. Really? And it would be foolish to not have Edelman with him. I'm just saying that my my the if I have, I don't say, 20 Brady lineups, mm-hmm. probably, um, I don't know, probably 12 or 13 of them will be 
Brady with a running back and no pass catcher is what I'm saying. Hmm. Very just because I think just the way this offense is spread out and, and how they use it, like like Brady can easily have three touchdowns. Edelman gets one. Harry or 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 Sanu might get one, or just a random player, and then James he might throw one to James White. So if you're pairing Brady with a running back, if you can corner all f- like say all four of their touchdowns and none of their pass catchers go off, if Edelman doesn't have his like a, a, a eight one hundred and one game. Um, and, and you have just Brady and, and a running back, then I think that's just a, a good way to leverage that situation. Uh, no one's buying into Tannehill, and I, he's extraordinarily efficient. He's mm-hmm. putting up just about 20 – he's been putting up between 20, 18 and 28 points over his last four. His Vandal points, again, yeah. uh, of course. But, you know, Ian Harditz, uh guy over at Roto World now, he came up with a good one against Gilmore, who was maybe the defensive player of the year with the Patriots. But – he got burned by a couple big corners, 6-3 corners. Uh, Corey Davis was one of them. I don't feel great about Corey Davis, but to me, A.J. Brown, if I am gonna, if I am convincing myself that John Brown's a good play, then the other Brown is an even better play. And I get it. It's Gilmore you're going up against, but people are going to be afraid of that. And this guy, this guy right now is one of the – 10 best wide receivers in the National Football League. And and I'm not even joking here. You know, Tony Romo said, oh, he's one of the best, maybe one of the top five. He's one of the top he, – he's one of the best wide receivers. He might be the third uh, most talented wide receiver in the playoffs right now. And I'm going – I'm going to say that. Now, we know the Patriots' defense is amazing. But if you got to play a little bit of Tannehill. And I know John o. Smith's your guy. For me, it's going to be A.J. Brown, man. Mm-hmm. Run him out there. Hopefully he's, his, his, um, his numbers are down a little bit as far as ownership. And I think you could also even look at a guy like a Tajay Sharp, who two weeks ago when they shut down A.J. Brown, they took him out of the game and he had that big touchdown run. That was all Brown did. Tajay Sharp was the guy that Tannehill looked at. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, my head's about to explode because we're talking about so many options. But <laughs> on a four-game yeah, I- slate, just – Look at the look at what the high. It's look at the ceiling and look at the low point and see if you can throw them in lineup. And I think there's two or three guys that I compare with Tannehill and feel okay about. Yeah, it, it's just a matter of excuse me. Like I said uh, at the beginning on on these short slates, you you kind of have to plant your flag and, and be comfortable uh, missing out on certain opportunities. So if if you're going to be overweight on AJ Brown, then you're basically saying that you're you're going to be underweight on like. DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, Tyler Lockett, um, even Julian Edelman, just because they're all priced uh, pretty similarly on both sides, especially on on DraftKings, and uh, it's going to be tough to play multiple uh, players in that like seven seven and a half price range, uh, especially with people that are wanting to get to Michael Thomas, wanting to get to some of the expensive backs. So I think you also just kind of have to plant your flag in a price range and, and say who you're going to be um, way overweight on. And, and I mean, it's, it's, I think out of that group, he'll be the lowest owned. So it's, it's not a bad thing. Um, but I don't know that I can necessarily get myself to have more AJ than Hopkins or Lockett or even Diggs. I think that's a wonderful point that you make, but <laughs> I do love some AJ. Sure, sure. Um, I think it's, got, it's not. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and I think I, if you, somebody's going to win it, you're going to have you're going to have a wide receiver that you just weren't even thinking of. Mm-hmm. Tajay Sharp, Corey Davis, somebody from the Titans could be that guy. So anybody could be the guy. What, what am I talking about? Anyways, did I miss anybody here? Derrick Henry. We should probably talk about him a little bit more, just because I mean this is the ultimate 
boom guy here. It, mm-hmm. Nobody's running as well as him, but it's the Patriots defense. And during the regular season, I, for the most part, at the beginning of the season, I was treating him as a back-end running back one. Now I treat the Patriots defense as a running back two, and I don't know if I can do that this week. I just – I've seen so much out of the Titans that I love, but I will probably have the Patriots more than any other defense. Um, I, I mean, they'll, they'll also probably be one of the most popular defenses, I think. Um, Henry, it's a similar conversation to A.J. Brown. You're going to be paying more for him than you are for, for Cook or Kamara, um, and, and I just don't see myself – um, I'm doing that in a fashion that's going to make me overweight on Derrick Henry. And, and I should say that uh, I, if we are talking about these players, we're even being underweight, like if you're built, making a hundred lineups, probably not going to have 0% exposure to any like um, main player in their offense, like any starting running back, any number one wide receiver, you're going to have some exposure to, um, but it's, it's just a matter of, I'm, am I going to stack some of these? Like, am I going to stack AJ Brown, Tannehill and, and Derek Henry? Probably not. I'm going to be using Henry and AJ Brown as one-offs instead of together. All right. Very good. We'll wrap up that game. Let's get to the juicy one. Yep. Everybody wants to watch the Vikings and the saints. Uh, saints are eight point favorites as it stands now. I saw them at seven and a half. We're taping this on Thursday. I saw it at seven and a half Thursday morning. Now I see it at eight. I bet you it goes up to eight and a half. Uh, the totals here sit right around 50 between 49 and 50 and let's face it uh, Drew Brees is at home Michael mm-hmm. Thomas can be on home or road but he's even better at home Alvin Kamara is coming off a big game like uh, it just sets up as the one team that really goes off this week but again things don't go as according to plan but in this game let's start on the Saints side we know the big three guys who are the other guys we should be looking at on the New Orleans side? Yep. Um, so this game is is super interesting because, um, I mean, the the big three that you mentioned, they'll probably be the highest own um, at their position individually. Uh, and and then on the Vikings side, like I said, you need to plant a flag. Kirk Cousins and Tannehill are, are the two quarterbacks I'll probably have zero exposure to. So I'm, I don't really have a, a ton of thoughts on the Vikings side. But the way to if you are going to game stack or team stack the way to do it is to you're not going to be able to probably not going to be able to afford all three of mt Kamara, and breeze you might be able to with with some uh cheap dart throws but it's going to be tough but if you want to play them all three together you're going to need some low on guys um so latavius murray is i think kind of an obvious one um, you're probably not. You're obviously not going to play him with Kamara, but he's a leverage play. Um, if he steals a touchdown or even two, uh, I, I think you're probably getting him at. I mean, on the short slate plays like this are somewhat obvious, so I do think Latavius will be in like I would say 15 to 20 percent of lineups. Um, but that's I mean, if if you're rolling out a 15 percent Latavius in this game stack or in this team stack, um, that's that's going to be pretty low owned. Uh, Jared Cook. I think he could be sub-15 ownership on the full slate because Goddard should be the chalk. So Cook is a decent one to throw in there. Um, I think my favorite one, if you're just looking to get a like sub-10% or probably sub-5% own, is Traquan Smith. Uh, scoring three of the last four games. He closed the season now. I think it's 559-1. That was his best game of the season. Um, it, I mean, hasn't been hard to do, but he has been out targeting Ted Ginn, I think three of the last four games, a lot of those are like three targets compared to one. So it's not super exciting, but, um, if, if Traquan gets a big one or, or a touchdown or two, and you have him in a game stack and 
maybe you, you didn't play Camaro. Maybe you rolled out all four of these guys. Traquan could be uh, the low-owned guy to look at here. I like a little Traquan yeah. because Breeze has been looking for him in the end zone, yep. man. He yep. scored in three of his last four. Yeah, I like Traquan a lot. He's probably he's probably my favorite like straight-up dart throw um, besides maybe like Dawson Knox on Saturday only. My only issue with Traquan, though, is the volume. Like, fine, he scores a touchdown and he gets three catches for 40 yeah. yards. Like, that doesn't really do too much for me. Maybe well, he opens up some salary. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's going to open up salary. Yeah. But, I mean, if he gives you what he gave you last week, 5.59 and 1 um, at at 5% owned on such a short slate, uh, I mean, it's, it's not a full slate. You don't need 25 points from every spot. A, a 17 or an 18 from, uh, uh, what is he, $4,000 on DraftKings, $5,500 on FanDuel. Mm-hmm. Um, that could get you there for sure. So let me just say, and I'm looking at FanDuel again because I'm playing – my DraftKings builds will be uh, probably coming up tomorrow, as a matter of fact, because I spent all day on FanDuel today. Um, so all things being equal, it's a $300 price difference. Trey Quan at 5'5", five, five, Kenny Stills at 5'8". We didn't bring up Stills at last. Or I didn't. Uh, we, we, I, I didn't. Touch, I, I actually yeah. forgot um, forgot that uh, with Fuller out, Stills could be um, the dart throw. But he's had those opportunities quite a few times. Um and hasn't done them, anything with them with Fuller out. So right now, just because the Saints are uh, our team that if a team does blow up, it looks like it's going to be them. I, I would take Traquan over Stills. Taking Traquan over Stills. Okay. Um, so moving along in this game, of course, uh, Dalvin Cook. So let's go over to the other side now. Because Kamara is a play, right? He's definitely in play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he looked great last on, I I haven't mentioned this yet, and I know I'm kind of going to – contradict what i've said um about derrick henry but i that's just a unique situation like eating the chalk on a running back is fine just because we don't really have a lot of options so i mean if if you have camara in 60 out of 100 lineups i don't think you're doing anything wrong um it just is what it is you just don't we don't have a lot of good running back plays he's the obvious best play I, it's not smart to get cute and try to maybe just have him in like 25% of lineups or, or a number like that. Um, he'll be the highest on running back. Um, being on par with the field in this situation is, is fine. So we move on uh, to the other th- side of things here. We got Dalvin. Of course, you're paying up for him. 8,200 FanDuel, 7,800 DraftKings. So where's where's Dalvin in all this? Going up against that Saints defense on the run, on the road. Because uh, he hasn't played in a while, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that takes a little bit of ownership away from him. Yeah. So, Dalvin. The, here's the only problem I've had with Dalvin, though. He really, even in his, his last three or four games before the injury, he wasn't very productive. Yeah. So, I'm a little concerned that, but I, I do want some Dalvin. So, for for such a short slate, I, I do agree with you that uh, – because he hasn't played much, because the Vikings are eight-point underdogs, those will uh, have people concerned about um, owning him. And I th- I think him and Henry will probably be neck and neck for the RB3 in terms of ownership. Uh, for the full slate, I think it'll be Kamara and Singletary by a really big gap. And then Henry and Cook will be pretty close. I'm, I'm not sure who will be higher owned. Um, but I kind of treating Dalvin Cook the same way 
I'm I'm treating Derrick Henry. I like the idea of using Dalvin with Kamara or even using Dalvin with Derrick Henry, but from the perspective that it's going to be a unique lineup build because I think Michael Thomas will probably be the highest owned player of the slate. So to have a, a couple lineups with expensive running backs and um, and not an expensive Michael Thomas is going to be a unique build. Another thing that we really want to think about is that because running back is so so bad this week and, and there are going to be concerns over Henry and Cook, I do think that the dominant lineup construction will be with a wide receiver in the flex. So getting two running backs uh, that are expensive and then a third running back in your flex, like I talked about with Singletary, could be something to think about that uh, could be a little bit unique, especially on DK. All right, we got that. Uh, Kirk Cousins. So he's in a big-time game. There's the narrative. He stinks. He's never going to do it. What he, he only threw like five or six interceptions this year, which was really impressive. Um, I love that. I doubt that the Vikings want to get into a shootout, but let's face it, TJ, they got weapons. I mean, yeah. Diggs has – they've been going deep to Diggs. They've got Thielen back healthy now. I think that – flip the page on that. Thielen's going to be back, man. You do have Dalvin back there. They could spell him with Madison. I'm not high, and I, you and I, I think, are going to be a little bit different on Kyle Rudolph, but mm-hmm. let's start with Kirk Cousins. I don't want to say nobody's going to be on him, but it makes a great contrarian play. The game has a high, the highest total out there. Why would you not run Cousins out there with a pass catcher and wrap it around with either Thomas and Kamara or both? Yeah, again, it just uh, <clears throat> it kind of goes back to the idea of, of planting your flag and not trying to cover all of your bases. If we're going to get Josh Allen, uh, Tom Brady, uh, and then another guy, Carson Wentz, who we'll talk about later, if we're going to get all of them at around like 10-ish percent ownership, maybe maybe 15 at the most, and a guy like Tannehill or Cousins isn't going to be that much less popular than them, then why not just be overweight on the guys that you think are just the straight-up better plays? Um so that's my, my logic for that. Like, I'm not going to be able to have exposure to to all eight quarterbacks. So I don't think it's a good idea to. So someone's going to get left out. The thing that I want to do is to take advantage of the, the negative game script and, and a possible high-scoring game is to use the Vikings as one-off plays, um, either opposite my, my Saints stacks or just as a contrarian play um, in, in lineups where I'm not super heavy on a single game. So we already talked about Dalvin. Um, and then it comes down to, to Thielen and Diggs. I, I think Diggs will probably be more popular uh, because obviously Thielen just hasn't done much since coming back from injury, but Diggs should get shadowed by Marcus Lattimore, and Thielen is he's a starting wide receiver on a team that's probably going to have to throw a lot. Um, he, he played, they rested the Vikings last week, but week 16, he didn't do anything with his targets, but he played, I think, 94% of the snaps after only playing about 50% in his first game back. So if you're going to get a starter who we know is good, we know how good he is when he's healthy, um, that's going to play a full complement of, of snaps. That's the kind of contrarian play that I really like. I mean, a, an established starter, like I already talked about the Troy Kwan, but if we're just chasing all these players that only see two or three targets, it could lead to a really bad day. If nobody's going to be on a, a good receiver that's going to be on the field all game, uh, those are the plays that I love. So Thielen's probably my favorite contrarian play that isn't a dart throw uh, of the weekend. I'm right there with you, dude. Nobody's thinking about Thielen. He's had an extra couple of weeks to rest now. He's back to 100%. So I'm with you on Adam Thielen. Love him. 
Um, so that means he's going to have two catches for 19 yards. <laughs> but th- here's the tight end situation. So I think people are going to go to Kyle Rudolph, and I'm going to warn you right now. Thielen came back and played uh, – it was week 15 and 16. And and Rudolph just had three targets, two targets. Yep. He didn't get anything in the red, in the red zone. Um, it was very, very quiet for him. And when Thielen was gone, this guy was a tight end one. He's not when Thielen's in there. So why am I going to put Kyle Rudolph in one of my lineups? I, I actually don't like Kyle Rudolph. I just wanted to bring him up um, because he is – Cheap, only 3500 on DraftKings. Uh, you got Goddard and Cook, who will probably be the most popular guys. Um, and then just not a lot of, of options after that. So if you are, I mean, it depends how you feel about Jacob Hollister, but mm-hmm. we'll get to that shortly. But uh, if you're not too high on anybody and, and you're hoping Goddard and Cook don't get there, then, I mean, Rudolph's just a cheap guy. But I don't like him. I was I was looking at him um, yesterday before uh, practice sports came in on Thursday. The, what I was hoping for was that if Marcus Williams was out again for the Saints, then P.J. Williams would have to start at safety again. Uh, but it looks like Marcus Williams is going to be playing, so that's not even an issue anymore. So my favorite tight end is from the Seahawks-Eagles game, and this is gross. I mean, th- this could be the 14-12 to 12 game that we're going to talk about. It's disgusting. And mm-hmm. Seattle's a one-point favorite on the road. Um I wonder what the weather's going to be like. I still think it's too early to tell. I know that in Foxborough, it's going to be a little balmy, like in the low 40s, upper 30s, but they're supposed to get some precipitation now. Yeah. So, the, the, in, you seeing anything on that? NFLweather.com mm-hmm. says 42 degrees with 12 mile uh, per hour winds um, for, for this game. No pre- um, oh, that, For the Seahawks? For the Seahawks. Okay. Uh, but that doesn't sound like anything that's going to be super concerning. No, no. I feel like the Patriots game was the only one where I, – I don't think anything's going to be concerning. we got a couple Dome games here. doesn't but, look like it. Um, here we go. Uh, these two teams – I mean, I just – it's ugly, man. And I'm going to tell you who my favorite my favorite sleeper is in just a minute from this game. But I think we might well, I think we might be on the same one, but we'll get into the tight end? First. I think so. Ah, that means everybody's going to be on it. <laughs> Release the sharp guys will be on him. Okay, so uh, we got Zach Ertz up in the air. We might, yep. We'll get to the tight end in just a second, but I do want to talk about Ertz because he says he's, he wants to play and he's going to play. I cannot imagine if this guy did have a lacerated kidney with his broken ribs, you can't run the guy out. That's just yeah, irresponsible by a medical staff. I'm going to go into this game assuming he's not going to play, but mm-hmm. we should talk about both sides. Yeah, uh, so th- like you said, this game um... – I think when you said last time they played, it was 17 to 9. Um, but the interesting thing about this is all these games have potential to be ugly. And this is the only game of the weekend where both teams are projected for over 20 points. So if we get uh, a 28 to 24 game, that might be the shootout of the weekend, even though it's not like crazy high scoring. Um, I mean, shoot, even if it's 24 21, it might be the highest combined game. Uh, of the week, assuming the Saints don't put up like a 50 burger or something. Um, but there, I mean, a lot of the, this game is probably the most interesting in that it's just trying to figure out playing time right now. Um, because not only is Zach Ertz injured, Miles Sanders, uh, is, I mean, he said he's expected to play, but I, I think he didn't practice recording this Thursday night. I'm pretty sure he still hasn't practiced this week. Uh, so his health could be, the biggest swing in ownership of the week. I, I think if Sanders is ruled out, um, then there's a good chance that Boston Scott could be like a top or two or three owned player 
across the slate. The issue with that is, and, and where a really juicy leverage opportunity comes, Seattle and Philly is the last game of the week. So if he's a game-time decision or if he aggravates something in warm-ups, then all of a sudden um, I, I just think a lot of people aren't going to be willing to take that risk on the backfield. So what you can do is roster Sanders, who I think will be probably low-owned in a few lineups. I, I mean, this game is only a one-point spread, and the home team is the underdog, so I don't think game script's going to be a major concern. But you can you can roster Sanders, or um, and then if he's ruled out, you could go down to um, to Boston Scott or just have him in your flex and uh, pivot to one of the pass catchers. And I think that'll give you at least an opportunity to take advantage of an uncertain situation. And then uh, there's also the issue of what is the Seahawks backfield going to look like and how are we going to figure that out? Yeah, I do. I just want to go back to this. I'm going to tell you again, I love Jordan Howard this week if he plays. Mm -hmm. And all the indications coming out of Philadelphia, he's going to be back this week. And remember the red zone touches here. You know, here's what it was. Let's see. I'll just go through. I think it's six games, six games for the injury. Six red zone touches, three, one, one, three, three. He's getting he's getting goal line carries. He's getting work inside the 10 yard line. He's getting work inside the five yard line. What you're hoping here is that he falls into the end zone twice. And it's absolutely possible yep. with that. Yep. So the guy that I'm targeting from that backfield, I'll tell you right now, and this is going probably go I'm putting my faith in Jordan Howard if he plays. It's probably going to sink me if he fails, and I'm gonna win a nice amount of money if it works out. But Jordan Howard has been you think Thielen's forgotten. This guy has been completely forgotten. Yeah. Everybody's on Boston Scott. Everybody loves Miles Sanders. We're in the playoffs. Peterson's going to trust his veterans. If Howard's in there, Howard's getting the football. He's getting the football where it counts. That's my guy. That's my sales pitch on him. Man. And the, he'll, so and oh, but by the way, can I also say this? Seattle's yeah. run defense, biggest, huge weakness. So the good thing about Howard is you can use him and you can use him in 10 out of 100 lineups and be way overweight on the field. I, I don't think anybody will be on Jordan Howard. Um, just because of all the question marks, but yeah, I'm. I mean, the fact is, he he has been the the guy that they've used at the goal line when healthy. He's the reason that for a month I was trying to tout Sanders on on this podcast, and he didn't have his breakout until uh, until Howard got hurt. Um, so that's, I mean, for sure, he he's been the goal line back for them, and he's the kind of player that wins these short slates. Um, it's it's a ballsy move, but one that you don't have to go crazy on for it to work. No, and again, this there's no guarantees. First of all, that he even plays. They're saying he's going to, but I just love if they say he's in there, and then I don't know what that does to Boston Scott and Miles Sanders because Sanders isn't healthy either. This is just this is a fascinating game. Everybody's hurt on the Eagles side. The Seattle Seahawks have no running game whatsoever. I mean. Marshawn, good job. You got it in the end zone last week. So I'm getting ahead of my – I'm really excited about this game because it's going to be so ugly. And this is where you're going to win all the money. Yeah, Somebody's going to stack this game the right way, and they're going to win it. And and one thing we've been talking about this whole podcast is that running back is just ugly on this slate. 
Um, we already talked about who the two highest known guys are going to be, and then there's concerns over Dalvin and, and Derrick Henry. So if they don't have big games, then you have, uh, assuming you want to use a running back in your flex spot, you can use the two best running backs of the week, Singletary and Kamara, and have an opportunity to have a contrarian play. And <clears throat> another opportunity is on the other side of the ball. Uh, we saw last week um, with uh, Marshawn and, and Travis Homer, they saw almost equal touches. I think it was 14 to 12, but Marshawn only played 31% of the snaps. So he played far fewer snaps than Homer, but saw just as many touches. Homer out-targeted Marshawn 6-0. to zero. So what we are going to be looking for, if Marshawn gets up to like a 50 or 60% snap share, in his second game um, of the season, then he really has a chance to out-touch Homer by a really big number, I think. Um, I think some people might just look at the, the touch share and assume they're just going to be a 50-50 split. But again, that was with Marshawn playing less than a third of the snaps. If he, gets up, up, if he gets up to half the snaps, he can easily be a 15-carry guy. The way I'm going to approach this is I'm going to uh, go heavier on, on whatever side I think... Uh, is is most likely to play out in terms of game script. I don't think either team is going to uh, dominate in terms of game script, so I'm going to give the nod to Marshawn. But if for some reason you think Philly gets up, I think the fact that uh, Travis Homer out-targeted Marshawn 6-0, to um, then Homer could be a nice flex play on DK. All right. And I want to go back to, to Howard as Fandle. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, again, he could have a nice day. And if he falls in the end zone twice, that's 12 right there. So that's great. Mm -hmm. But he's more of a Fandle play for me is Jordan Howard. Uh, quarterbacks, Wentz, Wilson, any interest? Uh, absolutely. Uh, again, this game is probably, I think this will probably be the closest game of the week. Um, this is the one that, um, that again, only only game with both teams projected for over 20 so this is the game that i'm going to be most likely to game stack and it's not necessary that i think both teams are going to be the highest scoring of the week but it could be the most back and forth and and have like an equal number of, of players from each side um i the leverage opportunity here i do think wilson um will be relatively popular i think he'll be the third most popular quarterback uh, behind Breeze and and Watson, so I like being overweight on Wentz compared to um, compared to Wilson, and because Wilson's going to be pretty popular, I do believe Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf will be relatively high on, maybe like approaching the twenty five percent mark. Uh, if you're looking for a dart throw, <clears throat> I I do think that you can uh, look at David Moore season high in uh, snap season high routes run last week uh, because he's been forced into the wide receiver three um, on this offense. So he's a, a really deep uh, dart throw. I'm not super excited about Jacob Hoster, but I do like the other tight ends. This is and Jabron Brown went down. So yep. Yeah. You which got is why, Lockett. Which is why Moore had that, that yep. uptick after, um, after Josh Gordon's suspension. Lockett, Metcalf, Moore, and John Ursua. This is what they have right now. Yeah. So, I mean, don't don't poo-poo the David Moore thing. This is all I'll tell you. Uh, Greg yeah, Ward? Sorry about uh, that. Greg, Greg Ward is probably one of the few outside of the, the Bills receivers, um, a pay-down guy that will be in my core plays. Only 5,600 Fandle, 5,200 DraftKings, uh, seven and a half targets per game over the last month of the season. Seattle 24th in schedule, adjusted fantasy points. Uh 
two wide receivers. Besides their tight ends, they don't have anyone else to throw to. So Ward is uh, Ward is a guy that you should be using just kind of as as a core player to open up value this week. It just makes sense to have him in a lot of lineups. All right, so Goddard's got to be your guy. Again, yep. if Goddard and Ertz combine for 19 catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Okay, Ertz alone had 12. So Goddard's got to be your guy. You and I both like Joshua Perkins. If you watched the game last week, this guy was very involved. He got targets. He stepped right in. Um, he was really good after the catch. I mean, Joshua Perkins uh, had a nice game. He caught four or six for 50 yards and a touchdown. So, um, l- listen, if you like Goddard when Ertz was in there, maybe you like Perkins when Goddard's in there. I will have quite a bit of Perkins. I won't be – he won't be in every one of my lineups. I won't be 50%. I no. bet you, you know what? I'll probably be 25% on Perkins this week. I might just throw my lineups out at 25%, but I could see myself being that high on him just because the rest of the slate sucks. Yep. Jared Cook and this guy, Perkins. Yep. Um, uh, Goddard will definitely be the, the chalk, but relative to uh, ownership in terms of who I'll be most overweight on, Perkins is is my favorite tight end Um of the week they're philly's base at this point i mean it's been all season but we didn't know if it would be with Ertz out their base is two tight ends um perkins saw six targets last week uh turned one into a touchdown so perkins is uh he, he'll be the tight end that i'm most overweight on this week so if Ertz plays how do you handle it because the guy yeah. is i he, it's like he's been in 20 car wrecks broken ribs kidney issue just everything if he plays what do you do with Ertz? What do you do with Goddard? And then I would think Perkins is, you yeah, know, Perkins, Perkins is, you're, is you're, no. well, I would say this though, like if Ertz is hurt, maybe out of, you have 1% exposure to Perkins just in case Ertz gets hurt during the game. But I, I see what you're saying. What are you doing with Ertz this week if he plays? And what does that do to Goddard? Um, it'll probably dip Goddard's percentage a little bit. I would actually still expect Goddard to be, the most owned tight end in the week, even if Ertz plays. Um, just because even when, when Ertz was on the field the last few weeks, Goddard's still beginning the work. I, I do think people will still be concerned about exactly what you just said. Um, so it'll it'll probably drop a little bit. Like if he if we think he's going to be in a third of the lineups, it might go down to like 20%. But I don't think any other tight end will be that highly owned. Um, it'll probably just make me be – Honestly, it'll probably make me more likely to want to be overweight on Goddard just in case I'm I'm off in that analysis. Like it. I like exactly where you're going with that. I think Goddard's still a guy you got to go back to. Uh, running game, we need to talk about the running game for Seattle mm-hmm. because, I mean, it's just – you mentioned Marshawn. Yep. There's Travis Homer. I mean, this is a – it's a debacle back there. And I wonder if Pete Carroll's really going to trust Homer. And I also wonder if this is just – Finally, Russell Wilson throwing 40 times in a game. <laughs> um, man, I, I, there's no I'd running be, game. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be surprised if that happens again. It's just uh, for me, it comes down to the fact that they that Marshawn and Homer basically saw equal touches with Marshawn only seeing 30 percent snap share. Um, so if I if I am playing one of them and if I'm game stacking this game, uh, which I will be quite a bit. I I'll have some exposure to to the running backs because it's going to be. I don't think either of them will will exceed ten percent ownership. Um, I ha- I'll be giving Marshawn the nod just in hopes that an, an increased snap share leads to um, a uh, a touch share that favors Marshawn a lot more than we saw last week. Wilson threw forty times last week against San Francisco. Nobody thought that was going to happen. 
I don't think it's going to happen this week. I'm just saying that that run game is so putrid right now that there is the possibility that he goes out and he does that. I mean, Travis Homer, he did catch. You know what? And last week he had a really good game. Average 6.2 years, 10 for 62, and then five out of five catching the football. But, again, is Carroll – is this guy good or was that a one-game thing? And is Carroll going to trust him? I don't know. I don't. I just. I'm trying to avoid this whole situation here. Sure. Um. I. I do want to say that. Uh, um. Just going from. Uh, I. I think it's. Um. Uh, it's a good bet to. Uh. To go with a, a home underdog. Um. And what should be a close game. So I. I probably will have my lineups more favoring. Uh, an Eagles victory, and because of that, Philly will probably be my favorite defense to be overweight on besides the Bills. So my, my top four defenses will obviously be the Saints and, and the Patriots, but then I'll, uh, I'll I'll drive up my ownership on the Bills and the Eagles in my portfolio. Yeah, I'm with you. And that spread went from Philadelphia being a one-point favorite at home, and then and it didn't open that way. It was like that's the – the pre-open like 10 mm-hmm. days ago, I think was the virtual open. So it's at one and a half. I think it gets pushed to two at this point. Mm-hmm. I think Seattle's going to be a two point favorite. And the more that you and I talk about the strengths and the weaknesses, the more you got to look at Philadelphia, even though they're completely stripped down, but yep. Seattle's got their own issues, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Philadelphia has no pass catchers and Seattle has nobody that can run the football. Yep. So both, both teams have some issues going into this one. Um, Anybody else that I didn't talk about? Oh, the wide receivers, Lockett, Metcalf, uh, the the big name wide receivers. Anybody? Yeah, no. I mean, like I said, I think they'll be among the top. Those two guys will be among the top four or five highest owned wide receivers. Um, not not guys that I'm forced to be overweight on. I probably gonna will use them in in some one offs. Um, in teams and lineups that I'm not using. Um, Wilson or or Urch just because I do think they are great standalone plays that the the passing game is in a really good spot. Um, but again, I think the leverage opportunity here is to be overweight on the other side of it. Um, so just just know that they'll probably be relatively high owned. I think both will push like twenty five or thirty percent. And like I said before, um, uh, more is my my dart throw in this game. Seventeen to nine, the first game. So let's see if we get another. I thought we were gonna get thirty-five minutes. We're almost at an hour. So yeah, congrats. Man. Well, this is the thing, though. It's playoffs. First of all, it's the last three weeks where you get multi games. It's the last two weeks with four games, so it's at yep. least a halfway legitimate slate. Yep. I'm just so pumped up, man. Let's get these games going. Should be a fun one. Yep, I'm excited. Saturday and Sunday, sit your ass down, watch some football. All right, so we're done. We got nothing yeah, else to talk about. That's that's it for Wild Card Weekend. Uh, two weeks left. Well, I want to talk some more. More football. <laughs> we will. It'll be the off season will go by uh, faster than than you realize. Uh, no, it won't. We'll be back it's at the grind. So miserable. It's, you're sitting there and you're sitting there in June. And you're going, oh, this is just horrible, man. <laughs> it's like we had the draft two months ago and nothing's happening, and then I got to sit through July. And the good thing is we got best ball to keep us busy. These, these you, uh, I, you man. know, you guys are the best ball guys. I it just doesn't do it for me, man. <laughs> it just doesn't do it for me. I'd rather spend my money in baseball DFS than waste my money on something. In the best, you guys that are great at it, congratulations. Way to go. You figured it out. There's just too many other things I'm doing to, to be successful at it. So yeah, man. Know your weaknesses. I know mine. Uh, trust It's more than just DFS. Anyways, uh, you want to say goodbye? I'm, I'm all over the place right now. I'm so yeah. excited. Um, if, you, uh, if you haven't tried out 444 this year, 
um, and you want to check it out, we are you're you'd be signing up for 2020, so you get 25% off of the early bird price. It's already up on the site, so that'll get you access uh, all of next year. But that means you'll get the last few weeks of the season um, included in that. So you already get a, a, a jump start. Um, probably going to be the lowest price that you'll get uh, this season with promo code DFSMVP. You'll get that 25% off. And then if you like us and want to support us, go on iTunes, leave us a nice five-star rating review. Really helps out. Um, get eyeballs on the website. And if you want to hear more of our rantings, you could check us out on Twitter. Holden's at Holden Radio. I'm at TJ Hernandez. And of course, check out 444 at 444Football. We'll talk to you guys next be bringing these hot styles through. Some of you bum a few chairs from shock down. You word power can plow through acres of cornfields. Paragraphs cut like warm steel, perform ill. We're not falling. We're taking back to the days of yes, Sean. We're holding on to what's golden.